Good morning, everybody. Happy to be with you and see you this morning. Beautiful weather outside. We'll keep the doors open to allow the sunshine and the cool weather to come in. I want to especially welcome you. If this is your first time at Cyprus, my name's Jose. I have the honor of serving as a lead pastor here. And uh, we are a group of imperfect people that are all on a journey to follow the only perfect one, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope that you feel welcome wherever you are in your faith journey. This morning, our room feels a little emptier because I have some sad news to share. Our brother Patrick Adams passed away this last week. He's been sick and we've been praying for him. Here's the good news. He's no longer sick. He is fully healed. And so I wanted to share that with you so that we can pray for the Adams family. I've been in contact with them. They're all over the country. And so as soon as I hear when a celebration of life will be, I will let you know via email. And uh, I've been thinking a lot even before this happened. There's the thing about life is we get one shot at this life and it can be gone like this. Only God knows when we come into this world and the day that we leave. The, those things are just out of our control. And this Christmas season was a big one for my family for this reason. We got Legos. And I have been waiting all my adult life since I gave away my Legos to another family with four kids to one day start accumulating my own Lego collection so that I can play with the Legos. And this was the Christmas, finally, of the age that we were building Legos. And, and so this morning, I want you to leave with one of these. I got some in the back. Please take one and, and think about if this were your life. What are you doing with it? What are you building in your life? We're going to start a new series called Build, because as a church, we've been building for 30 years. 30 years of building, four things that we've been building are right here. First is changed lives. We have seen so many lives go from death to life, from, from no hope to hope of the resurrection in their lives. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of baptisms and salvations through the life of this church as many have decided to follow Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, how to build our lives on Jesus. We're going we're gonna to take that personally, but the thing is, when we keep going, we build our lives, our individual lives, and that builds healthy and strong families. We have seen so many families come together in 30 years of the life of this church. Yes, I'm talking about marriage. We've seen marriage happen. We've, we've seen marriage break, and then we've seen mar some marriages also restore. We've celebrated the birth of I don't know how many children, and we still are, praise the Lord, some here very, very soon. We've dedicated them to the Lord, and then we've even sent them away to college and uh, uh, jumpstart their life. And, and then we've actually captured some that were sent, especially to that university on the hill, Texas State University, people like myself that were not following Jesus, but when I was sent to Texas State 
for an education, I then experience salvation. And uh, we have continued to invest in the next generation, in our kids' ministry, in our student ministry, in our college ministry, in Crosstalk. Let me hear you, Crosstalk. Are you back yet? Crosstalk, are you back yet? All three of you are back. All right. School doesn't get back till a couple more weeks or next week. It wasn't that wonderful in college when we got a whole month break, you know? Uh, anyway, I, I digress. Investing in the next generation. We've been building strong and healthy families. We've also experienced incredibly vibrant community groups. We are a church of community groups, not a church with community groups. So this celebration is a gathering of many small groups that meet throughout multiple counties and cities that are doing life together because we can't know each other as intimately here in this larger gathering that the Bible instructs us to have. But when we do life with one another, when we meet in homes during the week and break bread and share the highs and the lows, we experienced life to the full, the life that God has allowed us to build. And then we have been outward. We've been missional and in our living, both locally and globally, as a church, as we have met needs in our community, but also as we've partnered with over a dozen local and a dozen global ministry partners. Isn't that amazing? Just some of what God has done in the last 30 years, and God is not done. The generations continue. Because you see, whatever we build will be tested. Matthew 7, 24 says this. This is going to be our passage for this morning. And I want to get personal on, on building our lives this morning. And then in the next three weeks, we'll talk about these other things. Jesus says, therefore, and he's saying, therefore, after 2,000 words in the Sermon on the Mount, greatest message ever given in the history of humanity by Jesus himself. And he's concluding all of it. And he's saying, therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Let's continue reading. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he is taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Are we building our lives on the firm foundation of Jesus? The slide prior, all those four things happened, not because anything that we have done, but because of everything that Jesus has done for us. And in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have seen him build those things. We've, we've been like a, a highway that's been, you, know, you see the parking lot is, is nicely, um, but what's the word again? I always get it wrong. I say repaved, resurfaced. Yeah, resurfaced. Our church has continually gone layer and layer and layer. And it's been like a highway to heaven leading to the only hope that we have here on earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. What are we building? Are we built building our lives on this firm foundation? Or do we feel right now like we are just being beat and battered by the storms of life? Everything that we built will be tested. 
Another verse in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul speaks to this. He talks about how good our Lego building skills are in our life. And he says, by the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder in someone else's building. And he's talking about establishing this church in Corinth. And he says, but each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Again, he is our firm foundation. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be tested. Moving on, it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet it will be saved, though only as one escaping through the flames. Here's the point. Everything that we build here on earth will be tested. If we are in Christ, we know that we will be saved. That's great. But wouldn't it be awesome if whatever we build in our life would, would leave a lasting legacy for those that go after us, for our children, for our neighborhood, for our city, and for the world? Wouldn't that be incredible? If it is built on the foundation of Jesus, this promises is that it will last, that it will pass the test. What are we building. We uh, make a lot of decisions every day, and that's really how we build stuff. We, we make decisions. Uh, God, at the beginning of time, didn't say, hey, uh, do good. And, uh, uh, see, he said this before Adam and Eve. He said this in first uh, in Genesis chapter 120. Let's do that, and then we'll come back to that. Thanks so much, Kara. I know I'm not using my notes. I'm feeling it, so I'm just going to go for it, see what happens. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The first thing God wants us to do is, is to build. He says it again in Genesis 2. Man took God, uh, uh, the Lord took the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it, to cultivate it, to bring forth life, to build. Isn't that cool? You and I were created to build. Builders in the house said, amen. And those of us that haven't built anything in our eyes are like, uh-oh, that's why you're leaving with a Lego. So you can start somewhere and learn how to build something that lasts. So... We were called to build. The problem is that we were given one choice to make from the very get-go. Tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did God tell Adam and Eve? Tree of life. He gave us a choice, and he said, I'm going to put this other tree so that I can see who you're really, are you going to, are you going to rely on your own understanding, or are you, are you going to trust your creator? He said, don't. Eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat from the tree of life. One, one, one decision. And we ruined it. Let's go to that next slide. 35,000 decisions, research says, we make every day. Some conscious, some not. Aren't you glad you came this morning to be stressed and overwhelmed by the amount of decisions? You already have decision fatigue, even just by reading that annually, this many, 12,775,000 thousand decisions each year. If you live to 80, you make over a billion decisions in your lifetime. And if 
Genesis has anything to say about human nature, we really don't get it right a lot. See, man put, uh, God put man in the garden, and that one decision then spiraled and, and Cain and killed Abel. And, and then uh, uh, I learned this this week as I started my Bible reading plan back in Genesis that then came this man named Noah. And Noah actually meant relief because Noah was going to bring relief to humanity through this restart. And so what did God tell Noah to do? Build the ark. Lego by Lego. Build the ark. That ark was an, a, a, a vessel of salvation for all of humanity. The, the waters were going to cleanse the earth from all its evil, and it was going to have a restart. What happened? The waters went down. The ark landed, and Noah planted a vineyard. He got drunk, and sin did its thing, and down we go again. We make a lot of bad decisions. That is why God sent Jesus, so that we can be fully forgiven, so that we can be totally reconciled back to our Father, so that no matter how many of those thousands of decisions we get wrong every day, there can be hope for you and for me. Isn't that good news? Isn't that incredible? Not only that, but he showed us, he lived a perfect life to show us what it really looks like to be human. He raised the bar. He said this in the Sermon of the Mount. I say to you, or you've heard it said, do not murder. That's the old law. That's part of the Ten Commandments. Jesus raised the bar. He said, now I say to you, if you hate a brother or a sister in your heart, you've committed murder. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. If you lust with your eyes, you have now committed adultery. Do not vow. Do not swear by God or by other people. Now I say to you, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've heard it said, uh, take revenge, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now I say to you, turn the other cheek. You've heard it said, do not uh, love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy. And, and now I say to you, says Jesus, love your enemies and bless those who persecute you. Jesus raised the bar. And he did that to show us that if we become more like him, this world would look a lot different. If we build our lives how God wants us to build our lives, it would, this world, our reality, our community, our city, our world would look very different. When we got these Lego pieces at Christmas, I started immediately going off the booklet, right? The Lego set said, build this. And I said, no, I'm not six. I'm going to build and show off my creativity. And use this piece over here and, and that piece over there. And then my kids looked at me and said, Dad, that's not what you're supposed to be building. And I'm like, hey, I bought you these toys, okay? Let me build whatever I want to build. <laughs> and we do that with life. We take these Lego pieces. We give what God's given us. And we say, hey, let me build my own thing. I, I forgot an episode early on in Genesis. What happened in chapter 11 of Genesis? Man built this tower, the biggest Lego tower of all time, the Tower of Babel brick by brick. But they didn't do that to make God famous. They made that to make a name for themselves. And then God in his kindness, and he does this in our lives still to this day. When we are off track, he reminds us of his presence and he disciplines us and he disciplined them and he spread them out and confused their tongue so that they couldn't continue to, to build this tower because he knew that that way 
our way always leads to death and destruction. But when we build our lives according to God's way, it leads to life and life abundant. How are we building our lives? All of those billions of decisions can be covered in one decision by making Jesus the foundation, by setting foot as a firm foundation, whatever, wherever we are. I normally leave this to the end, but I just want to invite anyone that has yet to say yes to Jesus. That's what you're signing up for. That's what you're saying yes to. You're, you're saying, ah, my life is a mess, or I'm confused, or I'm unsatisfied, or I've tried this, or I've tried that, or I've even grown up in the church, but we're going to talk about something a little different today, something deeply authentic and real, if that's not what you experienced growing up in church, where we're talking about a relationship with the living God, talking about living with the one who gave his life up for us. And to you, if, if you have yet to say yes to Jesus, I encourage you to continue to seek after him. And whenever you feel ready, know that he's given you the choice to say yes. I believe that you, Jesus, are who you say you are. And I am now going to follow you and build my life your Way. There are these three points that I want to go through this morning. That was just the intro. In Matthew 7, 24, three points that teach us how to build our lives. And maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, or, or you're just starting out, or you're thinking about following Jesus. These are rudimentary. These are the foundational ways to build our life. How to build my life on Jesus. Here, obey and hold Fast. The first here we read in Matthew 7, 24, he said, uh, whoever hears my words. So Jesus is saying, therefore, whoever hears my words, 2000 words in the Sermon on the Mount there in the first few chapters of Matthew. But we're talking about the whole counsel of God here, the whole scriptures, all of the Bible, whoever hears my word, because uh, Romans 1 says that we all know that God is real, but Romans 10 says that someone needs to tell us about God in order to know God. Here's what Romans 10, 24 says, Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him and being Jesus? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? We have to be around people that are talking about Jesus in order to hear from Jesus. For 30 years, here's how we as a church have been hearing from God. First one, you're doing it right here. Sunday gathering. It's called the corporate gathering, the celebration of what God is doing. We come, we worship, and then we hear God's word proclaims called preaching from the pulpit, and it pricks our heart. The Holy Spirit works through that, and that's incredible. But you have a speaker and you have listeners. Community groups is more intimate where you have a shepherd, a community group leader, and then you have a flock where you're actually able to do life together. Jesus spoke many times to the multitudes, and then he walked with 12. So he had a smaller group where he walked intimately with. He knew their habits, both good and bad, and he was able to support them. And then you, you really narrow it down and strand, uh, strand is three or four people after Ecclesiastes 4. A strand of three chords cannot be broken. It's not easily 
broken. And so Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Those were his buddies, his inner circle. He, uh, they went up to the mountain. They saw things like the transfiguration, intimate moments with them. This, these strands allow us to share everything with someone because we shouldn't tell everyone everything, but someone should know everything as we walk through this life. And then me and God, so important, our alone time with God. This is when we abide and we remain in his truth, just us and God through word and prayer. The first assignment, I don't know if you know this, at Cypress Creek Church was not an associate pastor or a student pastor. It was our prayer pastor because this church was founded on this discipline called prayer, where we commune directly to God, where we are continually talking to God, asking, praising, just enjoying the relationship that we have with God. So I have a question for you. How can, how can you, how can I position myself to hear from God every day? Because the Holy Spirit works through all of these, all of them. It's not one, it's not two, it's, it's all of them. He speaks through his word. He speaks to us directly through prayer when we listen. And it's just maybe a thought or, or something happens where we're like, God, that could have only been. He speaks to us through community group. He speaks to us here on Sunday morning. How can I position myself to hear from God every day? Because if we're not hearing from God, then we don't know what God is like. And maybe hearing from God means turning down the volume on other things that we are hearing. Maybe it means uh, if something is bringing in envy or uh, insecurity or bitterness, anger, what would it look like to turn down the sources of those things? And then enjoy hearing from this that leads to peace, joy, and righteousness a little bit more. I wonder if our lives would look a little bit different. I am so grateful for those that came before me in my walk, in my journey. Um, one guy who I'm so grateful for, he wasn't in the church, but he was my piano teacher growing up. His name's Guji. He was from Mother Russia, and he was intense. He, like a good stereotypical, you know, Russian. I, it just is what it is. He would shame me literally uh, at, when I didn't practice, and, and he would just turn his back and, you know, would say, you're paying me, and you didn't practice, and now you're going to pay me so that you can practice. I'll never forget it. And y'all, it worked. It, it, it scared me to practice, and it made me a better piano player. But he would do this one thing that I loved, he would play the piece that we were about to learn before I started learning it. And he would play it in its entirety, and he inspired me. Before I even started playing a song, he would inspire me because I now knew what it sounded like. And as I think about my 14 years at this church, I am I'm just so deeply grateful for the people that taught me what it sounds like, what it looks like to follow Jesus a community group leader who encouraged me to say yes to Jesus, my college pastor who encouraged me to get baptized, uh, another pastor who called me and believed in me to do uh, what I did and what we did in student ministry, the countless of you that have 
raised kids and, and shown me what marriage looks like as a man sacrifices his life uh, to his woman, to, to, to his wife, and leads her in the way that Jesus has called us to lead. Those that came before us and showed us what fostering looks like in adoption. I mean, this church is rich in good-sounding music. Pastor Rob, who I sat under for 12 years, watching him, how he pastored all of this is so that the generations can continue. Do our lives sound good to those around us? Are we playing a beautiful piece of music or are we hitting a lot of wrong notes? The key is, no one wants to hear it, but the key is practice. It's practice. And that's the next point. We obey. He says, whoever hears his words of mine and puts them to practice, you actually walk the talk. One of my highlights in this Christmas season was in our Christmas Day gathering. We got a little, I have decided to follow Jesus on our CCC dog guide. Come on. Someone decided to follow Jesus, and I followed up, and I called him the day after Christmas, and I said, what a great day to accept Jesus. You know what I mean? When we celebrate Jesus' birthday, and I said, tell me more about that. And he said, I'm tired of just talking the talk. I'm ready to walk it. That's how we build our lives. Let me tell you something about practice. I didn't practice not because I didn't want to sound good. I wanted to sound good. I wanted to sound good as good as my piano teacher. I didn't want to practice because it's no fun to practice. And what I would do is I would practice a piece of the song and I would get really, really good on the first piece. And then I would just play that over and over and over and over. And that's how you practice, right? You just do it over and over and over. In piano terms, you play it slower and you play it staccato. <laughs> if you didn't know, that's how you exercise your fingers. So that, 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 that. That, 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 that's the kata. You learned something about piano playing this morning. You, you practice and you play it over and over. But what I would do is I would just play that part and I wouldn't practice the rest. And I would stop. I would be satisfied. In our faith, we need to pra uh, practice and, and sound good. And then what's the next part that we need to practice? What's the next spiritual discipline that we have yet to master? Because as we build, as we practice these spiritual disciplines, it grows our foundation deeper with Jesus. See, back then, they're talking about two different soils, the, the shallow uh, uh, foundation and the deep foundation. The Sea of Galilee was around there in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus was preaching. And the shallow foundation was, was set on sifting sand. It was about three feet deep, not very deep. And so what happened was when the seas would rise and the winds blew, those homes would topple. But if you build your, uh, if you build your home on this firm foundation, the bedrock means drilling 10 feet deep. And we know nothing about that here in the hill country because we drill six inches and we hit bedrock, right? So, so 10 feet of digging. And so you may be wondering, how, 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 do I, how, do I, how do I build? Well, we practice. Start small and dig deep. Start small. A prayer a day, a verse a day, a chapter a day. Start with a minute of prayer, then five minutes of prayer. Start small and then continue to dig deep. Here's the question for obeying. What areas of my life do I need to practice 
my, my faith? In what areas of my life do I need to practice becoming more like Jesus? Because that's what Romans 12 says. Once we're in Christ, we have one way or, or another way. Romans 12 says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, present your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not conform. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Ask yourselves, am I becoming more like Jesus? Are my daily habits, are my practices making me more like Jesus? Or are my daily habits and practices making me more like the world? Am I, am I becoming more like my surroundings or am I becoming more like Jesus and blessing my surroundings with his grace and love and mercy and truth that is obey? And then finally, hold fast. We don't talk about this word often, but it is deeply scriptural. Hold fast. Rain came down, streams rose, winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. It held Fast. Another word for that is it, it claimed to the foundation. And how do we know if we are holding fast to God? We got to check our soil. We got to check how we are doing. And there's no better way to do that than to look at the parable of the sower where Jesus explains four different types of soil. Let's read them. I got one more verse and then we're done for today. Luke 8, 11, 15 says this. Parable of the sower, Jesus preaches the parable and then he explains it to his small group, to his uh, apostles, his disciples. And he says this in Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones who are on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They're shallow. They believe for a while. And in time of, here we go again, testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, those are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for the, that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. What are these four paths? The first one, the, the road. That, that's when we have yet to say yes to Jesus. We're, we're on that road. We haven't committed to following Jesus, to being saved by professing, confessing with our mouth and believing in our hearts that he is Lord. The second is the, this uh, rocky soil. We hear the word, we receive it with joy, but when we're shallow, we have no root. That's like the one in Matthew 7, 24. Uh, we believe for a while, but in a time of testing, right? When the winds come and, and, and uh, stuff happens in life, we fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the worries of this world, by pursuits. They're outside of what God wants to build in our life. So what about this last soil? It says that it held fast and it produced a fruit because it was honest, good or sincere heart. And it bore fruit with patience. It takes time, but it's so 
worth it to bear the fruit that God wants us to bear in our lives. So in order to hold fast to God, I wonder, this is our question, what do I need to let go of in order to hold fast to God? What are, what are some things in our life, some worries, some fears, some insecurities that we need to let go of so, so that we can hold fast to God if we want to build lives found on Jesus? Here's what Jesus says a disciple is, a follower is. In Matthew 16, 24, 25, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, my student, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. How do we build our lives on Jesus? Well, we hear his word, we obey it, we put it to practice, and we, we hold fast. And in doing that, we really do lose our life. We lose our ideas, our agendas. We, we, we lose our own ambitions. But what we do is we actually find God's purpose. We, we find that this one Lego piece is actually meant not just for us, but for a much bigger picture that God is creating here on earth until he comes and restores all things when Jesus comes again. And so I wonder, what, what, is, what are the things that you're building in your life? If you're able, let's stand and pray. Father, we're so grateful for the many things that you have built the 30 years of this church, the many that have come and known you, walked with you. And uh, Lord, we're just so grateful for the many blessings we're, we're saddened also by those who, who are no longer with us. We, we miss them, God, but we know that they're with you. So we rejoice and we pray for their families. We pray for the Adams family together. In Jesus' name, ask that you would comfort them and bring peace to them. And we thank you for the promise of everlasting life that you've given to all that are in your name. And so, Lord, if we think about the billion decisions that we can make in this life, I hope that today we hold fast to that one decision that made all the difference, saying yes to you as our Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, if there's anyone in the house that is ready to make that decision, thank you that you don't look for a magical prayer or any action. You just look for surrender and confession with our words, saying something like, Jesus, surrender my whole life to you. And I make the decision to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus' name.